it is a new year, church. Happy New Year to all of you. It's a new year. That means for a lot of people, it's a fresh start. Uh, new beginnings, opportunities to make changes in our lives. How many of you, by a show of hands, are making some kind of resolution, setting some type of new goals, wanting to make some kind of change in 2020, right? The new year, the new you, that's the message we get, isn't it? We vow to make changes to our diet, changes to our exercise, changes in screen time, maybe even changes to our spiritual lives. They say that this year we should have 2020 vision when making our resolutions. 2020 vision. The year 2020 is just going to be filled with so many puns about perfect vision. I can't wait to see all of them. In all seriousness, um, this week I, I too made a list, along with probably millions of other people, of uh, some goals, changes, resolutions, whatever you want to call them, things want to be, that I want to be different this year. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, it is really usually very hard to sustain our resolutions for very long. It's hard. They tend to fade. And this can be cause for great discouragement and, and disappointment. But there is something to celebrate in the midst of a new year, in the midst of resolutions we may or may not keep, changes we may or may not sustain, and that is this. The year may be new, but God's promises are the same. The year may be new, but God's promises are the same. God's promises do not change with the calendar. And so I wonder if instead of building this new year on resolutions, on staking our hope and expectations on resolutions, we might focus our attention and our energy on God's unchanging and unshakable promises to us. So that's what this sermon series beginning this year is going to be about. God's never changing promises to us. Promises we can savor, we can celebrate, we can build our lives on in 2020 and, and beyond, and beyond. Today, is the, at the start of, this, of the new year in the new sermon series, we'll look at the, the look at the promise of God's presence. The promise of presence. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that uh, we take root there. Grow us, transform us, that we might bear fruit for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the very first chapter, verses 1 through 14. I invite you to listen for God's word. Uh, you can follow along on the screen or just uh, listen where you are. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world didn't recognize the light. 
The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The promise of presence is a powerful thing. If you love somebody, what you long for more than anything else is that person's presence with you. Photos are comforting, telephone calls, emails, text messages are great, a handwritten card is a wonderful thing. This day and age, Skype, FaceTime are great ways to communicate and to be present with someone even if you can't be physically present with them. Just ask any grandparent who has grandchildren, ask a a mom or dad on a business trip and they can tell you that. Yet nothing, nothing compares to actually being with them in person. When you love and care for someone, you want to be present with them. Presence is a powerful thing. I've discovered this recently with our, with our youngest, Ellis. He's become uh, one and a half very much more aware at bedtime of us not being with him in the room as he goes to sleep in his bed, in his crib. So sometimes if he's restless or he's standing up in bed chit-chatting when he should already be asleep and I'm downstairs and feeling particularly lazy, I'll take advantage of the microphone feature on the baby monitor and I'll, and I'll talk up to him and say, Ellis, hey, buddy, you need to go to sleep now. It's time to go night-night. I love you. But I can tell you that doesn't work nearly as well as actually going up the stairs, helping him lie down, patting him on the back, saying, Ellis, buddy, it's time to go to sleep. It's time to go night-night. I love you. He knows the difference in presence between a voice on a monitor and his daddy standing by his bed. When you love and care for someone, you want to be present with them. Presence is a powerful thing. And so we come to our scripture passage this morning, where the promise of God's presence with us reaches its climax in Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John says. In the beginning was the Word. Sounds an awful lot like in the beginning from Genesis. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, all creation, including human beings. In the beginning, it was clear that God wanted, that God desired to be intimately present with human beings. We, whose scripture says, were created in the imago Dei, in the image of God. After all, why would God create something God doesn't want to know and to be close to? Genesis tells us that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Relationship, relationships were perfect. And then sin entered the picture and God's good creation was damaged and sin fractured our relationship with God. That relationship became fractured and even though sin separated us from God, yet God, nothing, nothing deterred God's desire to be present and to be near God's people. And we see that as God's story unfolds in the Old Testament. 
and the calling of Abraham and his family, which is full of promises. God tells Jacob, which is Abraham's grandson in a dream, I am with you and will be with you everywhere you go. And after God frees God's people from slavery in Egypt, uh, and, they, and they journey in the wilderness, God is near and present with God's people in the tabernacle, which was essentially a huge tent where God reveals God's self, where God, uh, God's presence dwells with the people. And as they travel, then God travels with them. And where they pitch their tents, they make sure they pitch God's tent too. And then once the kingdom of Israel is established, the reindeer of the Old Testament, the presence of God is most associated with Jerusalem, the city of God, and more specifically, the temple in Jerusalem. For instance, Psalm 46 says, God lives here. It's the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, meaning Jerusalem. Or the Lord Almighty is with us. Finally, in the Old Testament, there's the sense all throughout that there is literally nowhere we can go to get away from God's presence. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 139, where can I flee from your presence, the psalmist asks. If I go high up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the farthest side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Because when you love someone, you want to be present with them. God's presence is a powerful thing. Knowing all of that, knowing that God from the start, throughout all the story leading up to Jesus, wants to be present with God's people, adds that much more weight to the astonishing claim in our scripture passage this morning, that the word became flesh and made his home with us. And we have seen his glory. The word, capital W, the word is, of course, referring to Jesus, who has existed eternally, always with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God and three persons. And now John is saying, like, we've reached the climax of God's presence with God's people here. God's promise to be with God's people wherever they go has now taken on a different representation in Jesus, a physical one. Because Jesus is God's tangible promise, even more tangible than a tabernacle or a tent or a temple, to be present with us, among us. Now, God not only goes where God's people go, but is who they are. Who we are, present with us. Not present like in the same home, calling out to us from a baby monitor, but by our bed, on our level, close enough to pat us on the back to whisper, I love you. Jesus is God coming to us in person, in our flesh and bones, to say, I'm not going anywhere. I will not abandon you. You are not alone. Jesus, the word made flesh, is the climax to the story of God constantly, in spite of everything, working to be near to us, finally becoming one of us and taking up residence in our human neighborhood. It doesn't say, doesn't say the word became flesh 
and visited us for a little while. It doesn't say the word became flesh and vacationed among us. The Greek word is skenao. And it literally means to pitch or live in a tent, to spread your tent over something or someone. So it means not just staying with someone, but enfolding them, saying there is nothing out there that you will ever face alone because I am always be standing right next to you and in front of you. Some translations and say, dwelt among us, pitched his tent among us, moved into the neighborhood, made his home with us. The point is that we're talking about a God who comes to live with us for good, permanently, as one of us. Whereas before God tented with Israel in the wilderness or gloriously abided in the temple, now that place of God's presence with us is a person. Jesus. Because when you love someone, you want to be present with them. God's presence is a powerful thing. Just think of the vastness of the universe. Think of the vastness of the universe. We are a speck on 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 a speck. And yet the word became flesh and dwelt with us. It's 93 million miles to our sun. And in terms of outer space, that's like walking across the street to Greenway Beer and Wine. And the word became flesh and made his home with us. The promise of present, the pro- God's promise of presence in, in Jesus is not about God offering us an escape portal through which to escape this world and be present with God and be close to God. God comes nearer to us through Jesus. God's presence comes to us where we are. God comes to redeem and not co- to condemn. And you cannot redeem, you cannot love, you cannot save something or someone from a distance. God spreads God's tent over us to live with us and be near us forever. And the nearness of God, promise of God's presence is always to our good. In every situation, positive, negative, challenging, easy, it is so good to be near to God. To be able to say to God, I'd rather know your presence in the valley than to stand on mountaintops alone. God's nearness is our source of strength, of hope, of courage. We find refuge in the knowledge and experience of God's presence. It means everything for us. It means we are not alone anymore. It means God will guide us and shepherd us through whatever 2020 might bring our way. All of life's situations we might find ourselves in, when we wake up in the morning, God is present. As we we go throughout our day, God is with us. When we lie down at night, God is there, present to give us rest. When all around us goes to hell, when it's all darkness, God is present even then and near. Even when we can't feel it. Because the word became flesh And made his home with us. There's a story preachers like to tell about a father and son in World War II. Underneath the constant bombardment of German planes. And one particular night the bombing was so bad. One struck so nearby that they had 
to, to run from the house they live. It, it splintered the house. They sent him out into the, to the street with thick smoke uh, and, and darkness all around, the screams of more bombs falling. The father quickly does the only thing he can think to do, and he jumps into the nearest bunker that had been made from a, a previously exploded bomb. And at the bottom of this makeshift hole, he calls up to his son, Okay, son, jump. I've got you. His son looked where the, where the sound of his father's voice was, was coming from, but he couldn't see anything because of the dense smoke and the sound of the explosions in the background. But, Dad, I can't see you, but I can see you. But I can see you. At some point, we just have to trust. We have to trust that the God who spread God's tent over us to live with us in Jesus Christ is present with us whether or not we can see or feel it. God says, I see you. I will never let you go. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jump into that. It's 2020. A new year, a new you, perhaps. Whether you're depressed or hopeful, angry or joyful, confused or clear, hungry or satisfied, sick or well, Jesus Christ is with you. Whether you keep your resolutions or not, whether you make your goals or not, no matter what is going on in your life, the God of heaven and earth is with you, is present with you. Close to you. A new year, the same promises from God. God's promise is God's presence. After all, when you love someone, you want to be present with them. And God's presence is a powerful thing because the word became flesh and made his home with us. We are not alone ever. May that be our glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.